Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Beauty Podcast. I'm your host, Priya Rao, Executive Editor at Glossy. And today's guest is Sean Garrett, the mega esthetician and influencer who kind of took the world by storm this last year. Hi, Sean. How are you? Hi, Priya. How are you? Good, good. You know, Sean, I feel like if people didn't know your name before 2020, they certainly know it now. So I'm wondering, like, if you could go back a little bit for us. Like, how did you first find yourself in the beauty world? I remember hearing anecdotally that you actually were more interested in fashion at the beginning. Yeah. So I always wanted to work in kind of like the fashion beauty kind of industry. Um, Growing up, I was always obsessed with just like Hollywood beauty and just kind of like the glamour, like the glamour of it all. Um, And so my first kind of dream was to be a fashion stylist. Like I wanted to work at magazines and different publications um, and be like a fashion editor and even like a wardrobe stylist. And when I moved to New York the first time in 2013, that was my sole goal. I saved up like $800 that I had and (laughs) worked like three jobs and an internship um, to kind of pursue this goal in fashion. And after I kind of did some things in fashion, I kind of found myself leaning more towards beauty. And it felt like that was kind of what my purpose was. It just, everything just kind of fell into place when I started to move into the beauty space. What would you say um, was different about the beauty space versus fashion? Because I know, at least from my perspective, I would say that fashion is not maybe moving at the pace today that beauty is when it comes to like inclusivity and diversity and genderless uh, norms. Like it just seems like beauty is like way ahead of that. Yeah. And that's kind of what inspired me to move. Um, Beauty has always been a little bit more inclusive to me um, than fashion. Uh, Like you didn't have to be, you know, super skinny or super rich to kind of work and kind of fit into the beauty space. It was really all about creativity, your knowledge and your skill And I feel like in fashion, I always felt super um, self-conscious about just everything, like like having money or, you know, having the right education or knowing the right people. And in beauty, I was really just able to have like this creative outlet um, because I started working in doing makeup first. So I was a freelance makeup artist. And that's kind of where I really got like my bones into the beauty world. And I just felt a little bit more free. I felt almost more accepted in the beauty world and the beauty industry, they have their, um, you know, there are issues within that as well as when it comes to diversity and inclusion and things like that. But it was a easier transition for me. What would you say um, really marked a pivotal moment for you? Because I know last year you really blew up, obviously, um, on social media. So what came first? Was it the social media part or was it the Fenty uh, skin part? It was definitely the social media part. Um, I actually started my social media, um, honestly, as like, a, I wanted to be like a landing place for people of color because at the time on Instagram, there weren't many um, people talking about skincare that was specifically focused on treating black skin and skin of color. And I saw that void there. And at the time I was already doing makeup and I had pretty much made a decision that I wanted to moving to skincare and become an esthetician. And so when I started to kind of look for resources and kind of look for other estheticians or other skin influencers, um, which really wasn't a thing at the time, like a skin influencer really wasn't a thing in like 2016, 2017. Um, 
I just saw a void and I wanted to kind of be that voice and to help people and kind of have like, um, almost be like a guide for them. Like if they wanted a new cleanser or wanted to figure out how they could treat hyperpigmentation and acne, I wanted my page to be the resource for those people. Tell me what you were finding on the internet back then, 2016, right? So this is even before, you know, Fenty came out with 40 Shades of Foundation. And Mm -hmm. I can speak to this too from my perspective, but what were you seeing on social media back then? And like, where were you getting your information? Because obviously you're a trained esthetician, but how did you kind of get there? Yeah. And like during that time, it was all about makeup, like the kind of makeup influencers and makeup artists. That was what was really popular on Instagram. And skincare had just kind of started to bubble up because I feel like we went through this huge beauty boom of um, kind of Instagram makeup and that kind of moment. And then it kind of started to come back around to taking care of your skin, almost like a self-care portion. And I think the kind of Instagram makeup started to phase out and kind of like this natural glam like came in. And that is kind of what inspired people to want to take care of more of their skin because they wanted to wear a lighter foundation. They didn't want to feel like they have to be fully glam. They wanted to feel healthy and happy in their own skin. And so around that time, The Ordinary was like huge everywhere. It was like the major kind of skincare brand that everyone flocked to. Um, I've always been obsessed with Paula's Choice. And so Paula's Choice was kind of already in the conversation and in my medicine cabinet. Um, But yeah, really, it was like The Ordinary, Youth to the People was just starting to kind of make their mark um, in Sephora. So it was definitely not what it is today. I would say within the probably the last three to four years, skincare has really kind of taken over the conversation. Totally. And I think that, you know, we talk about this a lot at Glossy is just this idea that, you know, Instagram was this platform for before and afters, for makeup, for plastic surgery almost. And it was like TikTok and Twitter really became platforms in the last year, especially for skincare. So I'm wondering from your perspective, like, I mean, obviously you were working esthetician, you got into this beauty space and then COVID hit last year, of course. And that disproportionately disproportionately impacted, obviously, black and brown people. But it also, you know, probably put you out of work for a, a long period of time. So tell me how, you know, you were able to kind of translate what you're doing as an esthetician in real time to social. Yeah, that was a really scary moment for me. Um Because I think I talked about it a little bit, but around 2019, I had quit my job. I was working at a spa and I had made this decision that the only way that I could be an esthetician was to work for myself. I've had many different kind of spa experiences and that environment really wasn't for me. Um, I wanted to kind of create my own treatments and really be able to create my own environment. Um, So I had um, kind of made these illustrious plans at the end of 2019 to move to New York and to open um, my own business to start seeing spa clients. And it was actually through the persuasion of my friend at the time, Lily. She was opening this new space called um, Skin Wins. And she was like, you know, I have this dream. I think we would do this, uh, you know, great thing together. And I really want you to join me. And I was hesitant at the time because I didn't think that um, that I could do it, honestly. I didn't think that, you know, I had only been working for myself at that time for like three months. And I was like, can I open a spa? Is this feasible? 
I had absolutely no money. <laughs> and so I was like, how am I going to make this work? Um, but we pulled it together. I literally started my business, my LLC. I got my business um, license. I got all the products. And I planned this move to New York, January 2020. And we opened up. I was seeing clients. Everything was going well. And then like the end of February, like this COVID-19 thing started to roll around. And it's like, I'm just getting my feet wet. I have a new apartment, a new spa that, you know, I'm financially responsible for. And within, I think, March 13th, that was the last time I touched a client. And so it was uh, really like, part of me was, I felt like, okay, this will be like a little two week break. I can, you know, kind of restructure and rethink. But um, it was it was hard. And I had to really be creative and innovative about how I would move my business virtually. And I think it was a blessing and a curse for me because it just kind of made me tap into my kind of quick instincts. Um, And I just decided, okay, I have this large social media following because I had built that up at the time. And I now have, you know, my esthetician business. How can I merge the two? And so I opened up virtual um, consultations. And so I started... I opened up a little section on my website where people could book a 30-minute Zoom. Um, you know, like we everyone is so used to Zoom now. And so I booked a little 30-minute Zoom um, consultation. You would fill out this really long um, intake form so I could know everything I possibly needed to know to make sure I was making the most informed decision for my clients. Um, and they took off like a hit. Like I was booked. I was making more money virtually than I was making in the spa. And I also got to connect with people all over the world. I had clients in Australia and the UK and Canada, um, Africa. So it was a really, it was an amazing moment for me, but also a stressful moment. But it helped me kind of restructure my business and keep me quick on my feet. So when do you think you actually parlayed the esthetician part of your career into an influencer career? Because I think, you know, obviously Rihanna had her eye on you. um, But when do you think everybody else started really picking up on you and what you were doing? Um, Honestly, social media was a huge part of my business from the beginning. Um, It's honestly how I built my client list. Even when I was living in Baltimore at the time, which is where I'm originally from, um, people would find me on Instagram. I always posted my facials and my clients before and afters. But I think me naturally kind of having that social media presence and me talking about skincare, um, naturally brands started to want to work with me because I had the um, aesthetic of an influencer, but I had the knowledge of a skincare professional. And they liked that kind of merging of the two. And there really wasn't anyone in the space um, other than me and maybe uh, like three other Black estheticians, like Nye Ellie Beautyologist. Um, she was on YouTube. And so she was really the only one at the time educating on Black skincare um, and kind of merging the influencer in the spa world. And um, it just kind of happened naturally. Um, you know, I started my partnership with Polish Choice and that started very organically. I loved the BHA liquid. So many of my clients loved it. I talked about it on my social media and they reached out and said, you know, we want to work with you. And it's been three years now. And we've done really, really amazing things together. When do you think other brands started noticing what you were doing? Because obviously the Fenty Skin piece was was huge. You know, you were an ambassador for the brand for about a year, correct? Mm-hmm. 
And do you think that totally changed the way, the course of your career or the course of your trajectory? Um, I think yes and no. To be completely honest, I was already on that trajectory. Um, I had really great brand deals and things lined up um, for 2020 that I was excited about. But because of the pandemic, everything kind of got pushed away. I think Fenty was really a blessing for me because it got to kind of take all of those things I was doing with other brands and kind of put it into one brand that I really loved and that had a message that I really wanted to be a part of. And so when that opportunity came to me, it really opened me up to, I think, of course, a huge audience. Um, And it let me kind of be able to get into spaces that would have taken me a little bit longer to get into. Um, But I think before Fenty, I was kind of already on that trajectory. And I think that's what attracted them to me, that they saw the work I was putting in. They saw um, the response from just social media and the brands, and they wanted to bring me on board to be a part of this new brand. What was the initial reaction when they reached out? Um, I like, like screamed into a pillow, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) It was like, it was something, it was really like a full circle moment for me. And I honestly think 2020 for me was kind of like the year of like everything I've been manifesting for and kind of praying and preparing for kind of coming to a head. Like everything kind of came to fruition that year. Because when uh, Rihanna announced Fenty Beauty, at the time I was working as a makeup artist, but I kind of knew that wasn't really my full passion. Um, And I was like, if she ever does a skincare component, I have to be a part of it. And this was back in 2017, you know, when the brand was first uh, announced. And I was like, I hope she does skincare. If she does skincare, I have to have a job. You can probably pull up like old tweets of me like saying this. Um, and I just knew that was like my destiny. I've always been a huge fan of Rihanna, of course. And I love her business acumen. And I love that with her brands, she wants to include every single person possible, no matter your gender identity, your skin color, your ethnicity, your nationality. She wants you to be a part of her world. And so I really love that message. And you know, I got to be a part of that. And I was really, I mean, it was an iconic moment for me. Iconic. 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 I mean, like, can we just say that repeatedly on yeah. this podcast? <laughs> um, so Sean, tell me a little bit about, I mean, obviously we can call it the Rihanna effect. We can call it your manifesting um, effect, but also, I mean, during all of this was COVID. And like we said, this really disproportionately affected, you know, Black creators, brown creators across the board. So I'm wondering, like, did you see an influx of brand deals? You know, whether it was, you know, someone you would always want to work with or just some random brand you'd never heard of come in, you know, especially in March. And then again, um, in the summer after George Floyd, I think I've heard this story from various people that was like, you know, what's real, what's imagined, what's authentic, what's, you know, who are the brands that are really going to support me in the long run? So what was that experience like for you? Um, It was a tough time because I felt like I was kind of caught in the middle of both. You know, I had amazing relationships with these brands. And this all happened about a month um, before I was kind of announced as the Fenty Skin Global Ambassador. And I had a lot of brand deals. At the time, I was doing something with a particular brand that I had to back out of because I didn't appreciate their response to what happened. And I felt that it was no longer the right relationship for me to pursue. Um, But on the other hand, my relationship with a brand like Polish Choice really strengthened because they really stepped up to the plate and 
um, they really kind of took the feedback and I've had internal conversations with them, which led to the On The Rise program, which is specifically created to uplifting, supporting and funding small Black creators on Instagram and YouTube and kind of Twitter and all those things. Um, I think a lot of the response Sponsors from brands were reactionary. You know, they automatically, you know, wanted to put up the black box and donate the money. But we're kind of now having these conversations because it's been a year since that has happened. And I will say I did see an influx of brands wanting to work with me because they were kind of the ones who weren't um, innately inclusive um, felt like they had to scramble to do so, to kind of keep the good graces of the public. And... um, I think now we're kind of seeing the brands that kind of were about the work and then the ones that were kind of just doing it for show at the time. Because I can say um, that, you know, I'm very blessed to work as much as I do. But I know that some of my um, peers in my industry, the work has completely dropped off, like significantly since last year. So how do you distill who's telling the truth and who really wants to work with you? For the long term, because right now you're working with a number of brands, uh, Verse, Paula's Choice. And I'm wondering, like, what is it about them that makes you want to work with them and stick with it? What um, kind of makes me want to work with them with Paula's Choice, they've always been invested in me. Um, and I think that's the great thing about that brand and that team. They've probably been one of the most supportive brands that I've ever worked with. And that's being like completely honest and transparent. Um, When I had maybe 2000 followers, they gave me kind of one of like my first paid sponsorships and longer contracts. And they always support my work. They never try to position me or use me as like, you know, a puppet of diversity and inclusion. It's a natural and organic relationship. And when I kind of do new partnerships like I have with Versed, that's more... um, I lean towards them because they approached me with the um, with the idea of a longer term partnership. They didn't want me to just post a pic of a product and then kind of move on. They really wanted to cultivate a relationship with me. They were invested in um, my career and what I wanted to do and what my ideas were. And we have um, this great relationship that will be ongoing. And I'm really, really excited about that. We'll be right back after this message. Would you say that you're looking for longer partnerships than, you know, one-off deals, whether it be on TikTok or Twitter or Instagram? Yeah, I'm always looking for the uh, longer partnerships because I think the thing that Fenty kind of really taught me is that I love having that consistency of what I'm saying. I think in the influencer space, it can get a little noisy. So, you know, one week we're talking about this product and then the next week we're talking about a completely different one. And I think as we move into more conversations about sustainability and less is more and all of this and that, um, you know, I want to kind of cut down the noise. And at this point in my career, I really want to just partner with longer, have longer partnerships with brands that I really, really love and that I think are really doing the work um, Overall, not just like diversity inclusion, but also just being a good brand, trying to better themselves and make sure that they're putting better into the world. And I think that really should be everyone's goal. You know, the 
one-off partnerships, they're great. You know, they're door openers for bigger things. But um, you should always aim for a longer relationship because it really can lead to bigger and better things and more sustainability in the industry. Tell me about what you would, what kind of, (laughs) tell me what kind of advice you would give to someone who's starting out in the influencer space right now, because I feel like it's changing minute by minute, day by day, new platforms are coming up all the time. You've had amazing success on TikTok, which we'll talk about in a second, but you know, what would you say to someone who was like you, you know, five or six years ago? I would say really um, find your voice, you know, what's important to you? What do you bring to this space? You know, I think it's it's deeper and it's um, more than just, you know, a product review. You know, where's your voice coming from? Where's your passion coming from? You know, are you doing this to help people? Do you want to just do reviews? Um, is it like the aesthetics of the beauty? You know, like what really is your voice? And also to educate yourself. You know, you don't have to be an esthetician to talk about skincare, but you do have to be educated and know the nuances of skincare and skin health. I think um, probably over the past two years, it's kind of been a, a lens on, you know, skincare professionals on these kind of social media platforms. So I think it's amazing. I love that we have derms on TikTok and Instagram and um estheticians on TikTok and Instagram really sharing skin knowledge. But I also love to hear from the consumer. You know, I was a consumer before I was a professional and they have a different view on how they use a product or what drives them in. And so I want to hear that too. So I think, you know, really just find your voice, create an aesthetic that's unique to yours and really just post about what you love and the content will come and your followers will come naturally. And I think also not being obsessed with growth because that is something that will come organically. I definitely was someone who felt like I was being stifled. And sometimes I still feel like that. You know, I feel like I put out consistent, great content, but I don't always get the lens that, you know, others may get. But I think it's also just nurturing the audience that is there and the opportunities will come. Tell me what you mean by stifled. Stifled by the brand, stifled by the platforms? Um, Stifled by the platforms. You know, I think um, especially the past two years, Um, You know, a lot of creators have complained about, you know, the different issues with Instagram and now we kind of see little things with TikTok. And I think, you know, it's deeper than just an algorithm thing. I think sometimes there is just a push of certain creators versus others. And I think that's something that, you know, we really kind of have to keep pushing against. Do you mean that from a gender perspective, a race perspective, all of the above? All of the above, Um, specifically gender and race. You know, to be honest, you know, when I kind of started on Instagram and I kind of gained, you know, a little following, um, I really was the only one. And I love that I see so many other kind of skincare um, influencers that look like me, but I also know that they aren't getting the opportunities that I'm getting. And my, my, um, I never want to be the only one. And I think that's also important. I don't feel threatened by new influencers or new, you know, um, beauty boys or whatever you want to call it. Um, I really want to see more people like me because I can't try everything. I don't want to try everything. And also my skin type and, um, you know, it's very specific to me. So when I try products, 
is very specific to me. And so I think it should be other Black boys and Black girls and Black estheticians and Black derms that can share as much information as possible. But, you know, when we look at things like TikTok and Instagram, we see that the Black creators always have a much smaller following than the others. And we're putting, if not, you know, just as consistent and just as high quality of content, but we're not getting that same um, feedback and that same, you know, kind of influx of followers and engagement. And it can be disappointing sometimes. Absolutely. I mean, it's almost like you have to fight much harder to get the same recognition or space that others around you are getting. Oh, you absolutely do. And I think that's the part that kind of becomes a little draining and a little disappointing because you feel like you're doing all the right things. You know, you're creating, you know, you do the reels, you do the TikToks, you know, you post the videos and the stories and it's like, you know, damn, like, you know, what else do I have to do? You know, and it's, it gets a little frustrating. Um, but I think, you know, I don't really know the solution to it, you know, cause at, at the end of the day, you know, we're all on these platforms and we do not control them. We can only put out our best and do our best and, you know, hope that our content and our work is getting to everyone. Yeah, you hear that a lot on in TikTok, especially with, you know, the dances and all of that, with the people who are getting really popular on TikTok and then others who may have started the dances in the first place. I'm wondering what your your feelings are in TikTok in general and also Twitter, because I know that was a big conversation, at least with Twitter last year, that, you know, the skin influencers on Twitter weren't getting the recognition that they deserve. And people like Hiram really said, you know what, I'm going to step away from this platform. There are other people who are more educated that other people need space to grow. Like, what do you think about all of that? For TikTok, um, I love TikTok. I really do. Um, I think there's a specific audience on TikTok. I think anyone who's a creator, they know that TikTok kind of leans a little bit on the youthful side. Um, And I think I definitely connect to those people, but I know more of my audience is focused on Instagram and Twitter. Um, You know, being completely transparent, you know, I'll be 30 this year. And so I, you know, I don't think... 15-year-olds would really be relatable to me. I mean, I'm just saying your baby face is a baby face. I mean, it's so good. It's so cute. And that skin is clear. So I'm not sure about that, but go ahead. Thank you. But, you know, I talk from a certain um, kind of voice and place. And I think um, people like Hiram, you know, he has a specific audience. So that works for him. And I have an audience too that works for me. But I do think um, sometimes I kind of feel a little odd on TikTok because I don't do the dances and I don't do the challenges. And, you know, my aesthetic is very, you know, clean and curated. And TikTok is not that, you know, it's off the cuff, you know, it's, you know, fun and bright. And I try to keep it light, but I know, you know, what my limitations are, but I love TikTok. Um, So I try to create content as much as I can on there. Um, With Twitter, there was kind of a whole movement, and this was last year as well, where, you know, the Black estheticians on Twitter really created all of the important skincare conversations. And 
I was a part of a lot of them. Um, and so was, you know, Tierra of Makeup Woman of Color, um, Nye of LA Beautyologist, Ashley, Skin Class Hero, all of these amazing Black estheticians creating conversations about sunscreen, about um, skin barrier health, about treating acne, treating hyperpigmentation. And we would see our tweets go viral and then publications take them and make them into an article and not include any of us in the conversation. And that was a very hard pill to swallow because it's like, you know, we worked so hard, one, to get our license, two, to start our own businesses, and three, to run our businesses and create content and be engaged and keep educating our following. And so when you see our words being taken from other YouTubers and content creators and publications, it's like, again, you feel defeated because you're like, this is always kind of going to be, you know, the narrative. And I think um, now, you know, the conversation has shifted because, you know, when we've kind of made it a point like, you know, like this, we've created this, you know, more, we're included in more things, which I think is great. But I think Twitter is an unexpected place for beauty. Um, But honestly, it's one of my favorite platforms because I get to talk directly to everyone who follows me. And with Instagram, it's more of a visual thing. But with um, Twitter, you really do get to connect with your audience on a different level. And I think that's really, really cool. Would you say that, you know, you have anyone helping you navigate all of this? Is it other creators? Is it your agent? Is it your manager? Because this is a lot to negotiate. And I mean, it's not just what other creators or influencers are thinking about. Yeah. Before this year, I didn't have a manager or a uh, publicist or anything. I did everything on my own. I negotiated all of my contracts. I negotiated all my rates. I was the business person, the assistant. Um, I shot the content. I edited the content. Like I was a one person team. Um, Once I started working for Fenty, it was a larger scale of work. And I was doing a lot of things in a small period of time. So I was very, very busy and it taught me a lot, but it also taught me how to delegate and how having the right team can make your job a lot less stressful. (laughs) So now I have an amazing team around me that includes um, kind of my publicist and my manager who really work really hard to make sure that I'm one, getting the best deals, that I'm always supported and that um, I'm never feeling overwhelmed or um, taken advantage of as well, because that does happen in this industry. Absolutely. Would you say that the rules have changed, I guess, as an influencer? Because, you know, so many influencers today are now launching brands, want to be brand founders. Like, do you have that in your eyesight or eyeline at all? You know, do you want to do that? Or is it really about kind of building back your business that, you know, you weren't able to really practice on um, last year? My focus is both. You know, I miss seeing my clients and I miss doing facials, but I will say my business has progressed beyond just that. And so now that is a part of my career, but it is not my sole thing. Because before, you know, I kind of did social media as kind of like a hobby and I would, you know, get jobs here and there, but I was about my spa, my clients, and that was the goal. Now I've seen the possibilities 
of what I can do in the skincare space um, and in social media. And so I love having both. You know, I'm looking forward later this year to doing more spa pop-ups and be able to touch and feel people um, and be able to treat clients again. But I'm also loving um, the brand partnerships and creating products myself. And that's something that's really exciting for me as well. Would you say your perspective, and I, I would say yes, but I want to hear it from you, you know, Sean, you know, your perspective that you are catered towards brown and black skin, that you focus on things that, you know, people weren't even talking about before, whether it be hyperpigmentation or colorism, et cetera, you know, that that is really your sweet spot. Or is it that, you know, you think that you've just transcended that at this point and it's really about, you know, all beauty, all skin, all kinds of customers and, and readers and listeners. My focus and passion will always be treating Black skin and treating people of color because to this day, we're still marginalized in the health and beauty spaces. You know, most people of color and Black people still cannot have access to a dermatologist and a lot still do not have access to estheticians. And while there are so many amazing Black estheticians, there still is a kind of... um, there's still like a barrier there and there still aren't enough resources. And so that'll always be my focus. But to be honest, in the spa, I've always treated everyone. I've had just as many white clients as I had as of Asian clients that I had of Black clients. I think because I am a Black man, um, you know, I'm always looked to to only kind of be in those spaces, but I treat everyone. Um, and everyone who comes to see me leaves happy, um, treated with healthy skin. And so I feel like I've transcended just being like a Black esthetician, but that will always be the core of my practice. And you have a pop-up coming up this fall, correct? I do. So I have um, a spa pop-up that we're working on that I'll be announcing soon. Um, and first, we're kind of going to do something for like um, editors and maybe other influencers. And then I'll be able to kind of open up more dates to kind of um, my clients that have been waiting very patiently since last summer to finally be able to come see me and get their skin treated. And lastly, Sean, you know, the influencers today are very different from kind of the influencers we saw 10 or 12 years ago, you know, I've had a few on the show, whether it be Jackie or Patrick Starr, you know, what do you think the DNA of, you know, people like you are today versus maybe the ones who started on YouTube or started uh, on Facebook? I think it's authenticity. You know, I think before influencers kind of always felt like they had to put on this facade of being perfect, perfect life and this and that. And that's kind of gone away. I think with the pandemic happening and us still being in the midst of a pandemic, kind of putting on those airs and facades doesn't really work for people. They want to see that you have daily struggles as well. They want to see that, you know, you're not always the happiest, that, you know, you deal with, you know, heartbreak and, you know, depression and sadness. And I think that's what has really brought my little community that I call the Skin Dolls. Like, you know, we really have, uh, almost like a friendship, you know, like they feel like they know me because I've been so honest and transparent about things in my life, about things in my business, but I also kind of um, curate it into like this beautiful thing. And that's kind of what we all do. You know, we take our experiences and our kind of life 
things that kind of made us and kind of make it into the picture that we wanted. But I'm always authentic with my audience. I'm always authentic about my content. If I hate something, you'll know it. If I love it, I'll never shut the hell up about it. Um, And so I think it just creates that bond with my audience. And honestly, I think that's the most important thing for me, you know, because they really have been a huge part of my career and will continue to be. And so I think being authentic and being real and being transparent and not getting to a place where you think that you're above the people that have helped you get to where you are. That's very important. And on that note, Sean, I have to ask, you know, speaking of how fondly you speak of your community and your followers, I mean, do you think a brand founder future is in your future? Absolutely. Yeah. It's something that I'm having conversations about now. And it's something that I'm preparing for within the next year or two. So it's it's definitely something that I'm excited about and that I'm also a little nervous about. But yeah. So more soon. More soon. More of everything. Hopefully you'll see me everywhere. <laughs> we hope so too. Thank you so much, Sean. It was so great having you. Thank you. I love talking to you today. Thank you so much for listening to the Glossy Beauty Podcast. Tune in next week for another episode. And of course, that means if you haven't subscribed, please hit that button.